I want you to take in uh, your Bible. Will you take you open your Bible up? And I want you to open it up to Psalm 32. And we'll get there in a few moments. And then also, if you have a worship guide on the back, you find a place for taking some notes. We're going to come back on the back part, and we're going to worship, and we're going to encounter, and we're going to experience Jesus. So let me just get a quick sip of water, and I'm ready. Okay, here we go. This morning, I'm going to open this up a little differently. Uh, something happened to me Thursday morning that was rather uh, unique, interesting, and it was very expensive. So I decided I'm not going to waste that experience. It's one of the most expensive illustrations I've ever used. Thursday morning, I'm in my convertible, tops up. I'm listening to some praise and worship. I'm jamming with Jesus. I'm having a great time. And yes, the pastor has a heavy foot, but I really work on it on, on the interstate. I put it on cruise, but around town, I don't. And I was coming down Bond Road, and I was coming, and I looked down, and I went, oh, mercy, slow down, boy. So I slowed down. And then I came down a hill, and I wasn't thinking. I was just worshiping the Lord. And I came down right in front of this big Baptist church called Vaughn Forest. I go by it all the time. I've ridden by it thousands and thousands of times. And as I got right down there, I looked over, and there was one of Montgomery's finest black and white units sitting in the middle of the road. And I tapped my brake. And, and by, that time he, by the time I tapped my brake, the lights came on. And he wanted to welcome me to the city and give me a good morning. And I pulled over, and he came out. He said, what you in such a hurry for? I said, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to the office. I didn't play the God card. I didn't go, I'm going to church. I said, I'm going to the office. He said, okay, I'll be right back. I have not had a speeding ticket since I was 18 years old. I've deserved thousands. He goes back there on his little computer, and he prints it out, and he brings it back to me. And I don't know what happened to me. I thanked him for it after he left. <laughs> I thought, what an idiot I was. And so I am paranoid. If you see me around town now, I'm driving extremely slow like the old women. I'm putting it on cruise around the city. But here's why I confess this. Guilty. I won't tell you how fast I was driving, but it was excessive. I mean, it wasn't super excessive, but it was excessive. And I was always feeling it. I busted right there for all Montgomery to ride by. I go, <laughs> and laugh. Yeah, it's funny for you. We'll have a basket in the uh, foyer if you want to help. Okay. So then I called to find out how to pay this thing because I said, hey, I'm guilty. I'm going to confess that. You, you, see, guys, I want to start preaching about love and peace and joy. I'm tired of these messages like worry and patience and now confession. But confession. So, so I called the, the office. I wanted to find out. Ricky, I don't know what happened. You, you can't even find out. You know, Ricky used to be a major at the police department until he retired. But uh, Ricky, uh, when I called, I got someplace out of state. They said, what city are you in? What are you talking about? I'm in Montgomery. She goes, well, that'll be posted in about two or three weeks. And then I called somebody else, and they go, it's not up yet, but you'll find out soon enough. So anyway, I said, I can't wait. Here's why I tell you that. I wanted to go ahead and go real with you. Confession. I'll even share another real confession as I get into this. But today, I want to talk to you about confession. In the Protestant Reformation, a lot of great things happened. One of the sad things that happened in the Protestant Reformation was we kind of threw out the word confession. Our Catholic friends tend to have a little better job on this. Now, there's some, uh, Chad, you could explain a little more of this to me. There, there's still some challenges I have a little bit there, but the confession idea is a Jesus thing, and the church said. Now, I don't know about so much to a priest. We confess it to Jesus, and we confess it to one another. And uh, so I thought I would go ahead and go clean. So now I want you one by one to come up here and confess your sin of the week. Come. No, no, I'm not going to do that yet. Confession. 
It's powerful. So I want us to look at God's word, and, and let's see what he has to say. Uh, in Genesis 3.10, in the Old Testament, I know Roger loves the book of Genesis, but the scripture simply says this, he answered, and I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. Basically, Adam and Eve had sinned, they'd eaten of the forbidden fruit, and up to then there was perfect union, perfect fellowship with the Heavenly Father. And because they had broken the law of God, they had sinned against God, they were aware of, of not being clothed, and then they tried to hide, they tried to cover up, they, they didn't want to be exposed. And I thought about it, that's what sin is. You and I, and man, I'm so good at this, I want to hide my sin, I want to cover up my sin, I want to deny my sin, I want to avoid my sin. Yes, we even want to blame someone else, and y'all the people said, it's just so much, didn't it feel good when you blame somebody else? But we, we don't own it. We, we don't identify. So the biblical word would be sin. I mean, we just got to call it out like Thursday morning on the way to the office. Disobedient to the civil laws of our city and state. Speedy. I broke it. I was sinful. I was guilty. I wasn't trying to talk him out of it. Now, I was certainly hoping that he found grace on the way back to the car. But he found none. And he had no mercy on the boy. And he might be here today for all I know. I hope he is. Bless the corporal in Jesus' name. Break every power. I mean, okay, here we go. All right. So, hey, we've rejected God's will. We've fallen into a lifestyle that doesn't reflect he is. It's called sin. So hiding, just right in your, it's not a blank, but just right down here. Hiding is when you and I miss the mark of God. We, we just try to, to hide what we've done. We, we need an act of forgiveness. We need an act of a restoration with a holy God. And yet, uh, Jesus offers this incredible passion to redeem. And he offers passion to restore. It's one of the things I love about Jesus. He, he comes to restore. He comes to restore us in right relationship with his Father. And this morning, when you and I sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And it's so beautiful. So, uh, Jesus doesn't force forgiveness on us. And yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know when we hide. I don't know when we try to sin. But I, went, I was thinking about a book I'd read a few years ago. He's one of my, I just love this guy. His name's Craig Rochelle. I've never met him personally. I've heard him, pers I've heard him live. Uh, listened to a little bit of his podcast, but I've read a lot of his books. And this was one that really intrigued me several years ago. It's called Confessions of a Pastor. And man, just the title is like, man, what did God do? I want to read about it. And he lays it out there he doesn't sugarcoat it he is transparent like no other pastor i've ever seen and god uses his brokenness and god's been teaching me about brokenness over the last several years what that means but i, I want to move to this because it goes to the heart it convicts craig says it's so easy to pretend and and, and let me tell you guys i know you think oh, he's got it all together no i really don't jesus has it all together and sometimes it's harder in the position that I sit in, and Jeff sits in, and Blake sits in, and as Jeff comes into full ordination and pastoral tonight, sometimes it's harder because sometimes you feel like you almost want to be a little image manager, and you want to put out a, some kind of position, some management style for y'all, and pretend it's kind of a scary place to be. And Jesus wants us to be real. And yet, Craig uses a line that I'd heard years ago, and I read it again this week. He says, I'd become a full-time minister but a part-time a part follower of Jesus. I've become a full-time minister, but a part-time follower of Jesus. It's easy to love God, 
to love Christ, but it's easy to be part-time in that pursuit and not give Him your whole heart. Even when you are called the clergy or you have the badge or you have the shirt, and in my case, I have the robe. You know, I always thought, man, I want to wear a robe one day. How impressive that would be. Go into a courtroom and you see a judge with his robe. And I'd go into these services and, and, and you go to these graduations and, the, and all the, the faculty and they have on their doctoral robes. And I remember when I got a black robe and it has the cross and it's velvet and it's gorgeous. And can I tell you a secret? It's the hottest thing I've ever put on in my life. I sweat uncontrollably. I would never preach it in here. I'd just die. But I mean, but 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 I want, I want you to look at something. I want you to turn to Psalm 32. And I want you to stand, because I want to read it from the New Living Translation. I want you to hear Psalm 32. And this is the Psalm of David. And this is a man that knows about moral, moral failure. He knows about adultery. He knows about murder. He knows about cover-up. He knows a lot about sin. And yet the scripture refers to him as one after the heart of God. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And finally, I'd circle that word when you sit down, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place and you protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. And I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surround those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey Him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. God, thank you for your word. We need to hear from you. Be seated. Now, as you look at that scripture, I'm going to try to walk through a couple of points in the Psalms today, but I, I was thinking about uh, in verse 3. He just, I, I put it right there at the top of your outline because I, I want this verse to hang with you. When I refused to confess, I wasted away and I groaned all day long. Can anybody identify? I've been there many times. I refused, I chose my stubbornness, my callous heart, my rebellion, and I groaned and I wasted away. And I could have none of the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And yet he, he tells us here, if, if, if you'll read even in psychology, they go, confession is good for the body. It's good for your health. It's good for mental and emotional. And how much more for spiritual, but also for physical health. Uh, confessing, it clears our conscience. Our, our bodies are not made to hold in our sin. Now, we, we've learned, I've learned, you probably have learned how to cover it, how to hide it, how to uh, avoid it. And the Holy Spirit just keeps calling it forth. He keeps calling sin, sin. And it's like if I, if I got a Coke can this morning and I shook it up, how many of you would want to open it? <laughs> I mean, if we did, man, it'd be spewing everywhere. And that's what happens when we hold in our sin and we don't confess it to the Lord. When people touch us and hit us and situations come into our midst, we tend to spew that which is in us and it's unresolved 
sin, it's brokenness, it's bitterness, it's anger, it's in, internalizing this guilt. And I wrote on here, confession is one of the oldest practices in the Christian church. And yet, I find it to be the most neglected practice in the church besides fasting. We don't really confess much. This morning, we're going to have an exercise for people to confess sins one to the other. You're like, wow, man, this is going to be horizontal and vertical. It will. You know, we all have stories where we hold things back. We're misunderstood. David, he knows. You, you read the life of King David, and he held back, and he sinned greatly against God and against others. Uriah and against Bathsheba. And yet, David gets found out. David gets busted. And Numbers says that your sin will find you out. And every time God wants us to know that he's not fooled, he's not deceived, we can deceive ourselves. Have you learned that like I have? I can deceive myself. Has anybody in here ever deceived yourself? If you didn't raise your hand, you've really deceived yourself more than you ever think. We have that basic ability. Augustine of Hippo said, The confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. When we confess that which is sin and uh, impure, that's the beginning of the road to healing and recovery and wholeness. This morning we're going to have a testimony. Somebody's going to talk about the power of confession. Richard Foster wrote the book Celebration Disciplines. It's a classic. It's a deep read, but it's a good read. And I have read it through the years, picked it up again this week as I was studying. He says, we view the believing community as a fellowship of saints, and we should, before we see it as a fellowship of sinners. So here's what I want to say to you this morning. I believe we're a fellowship of the body of Christ, of saints, but I first think we're a fellowship of sinners that have been broken by sin, and we need restoration in Jesus Christ. And that should be good news to everybody that hears my voice. It is to me. I want to align myself with people that have been born again, that are seeking after Christ or come to know Christ, but I want to know that this is a fellowship where broken people can come and not be judged and can find forgiveness for their sin. And the church said... You're saying, well, pastor, I want us to be a pious religious bunch, and I want us to be holy. I want you to put on your robe next week, and we want to go to a coat and tie and long dresses and pantyhose. And we want to be miserable, and we want to read little catchy things, and we want to be very pious in the house of God. It ain't going to happen under my watch. I don't know, I don't know what you've been drinking. But it, it wasn't your breakfast coffee. I, I don't think so. We, we feel isolated. And this morning, the whole message is, don't, don't live in isolation. Break free. Just break free. God, help me, help my friends to break free, to receive uh, confessions from one another. Some of the most beautiful times in this room is when people have confessed their sin to one another, or they've gotten free, and Jesus broke the power of sin. He broke every chain, and they walked out those doors new in Christ Jesus. That was their identity. And what's so great is I don't remember what their sin was. At men's retreats over the years, we've had amazing men retreats. And I have this thing called the chair, and the chair became the rows of chairs. And men would come up and confess their sins to God and one another. And I'd see Jesus break addiction after addiction, and I would see men walk out in freedom. And I'd say, yes, that's the church of the living Christ. We have a thing now called Samson Society. And men come together in their brokenness, in their frailty of humanness. And they share. And many have chosen to walk a new path of accountability in Jesus. And they're new. The recovery group upstairs, several have come in to find support and strength for their souls. And they bear their souls and they're real to one another. And they're finding grace and they're finding freedom. And I think that's what the church is about. But somewhere the church has gotten lost in that and it becomes a production. 
And rightfully so, there is platform time, there is kind of a production element to it, but God wants us to be restored, to be broken. And, and I like this, praying for one another, and the prayer is for healing of the inner wounds that sin has caused. Let me just say to you this morning, sin causes wounds on the inside of your soul. But confession begins to heal. Isn't it beautiful when a sore begins to heal, and it gets better, and it gets healthy, and then you can begin to touch it? And then you can begin to look down and it doesn't gross you out. And it becomes living flesh again. That's what the body of Christ should be. That we, we find ourselves in a redemptive community called a fellowship of sinners. And we point and we look to Jesus and Jesus makes us whole and we're able to do life together. And we learn the power of confession. Let's move here quickly. Five steps of confession. Ready? Confession means breaking the silence. See, the devil wants you and me to be convinced to never go public and to never share your sin with anyone. And you'll just die on the inside. You'll die in silence. And you're ashamed of family problems. You're ashamed of compulsive habits, sexual addictions, whatever. You, you think if I just stay silent, I'll be safe. And the enemy has deceived you. You'll die a slow death on the inside of your soul. And God wants us to go public. And, he, and, and when we hold on and we don't break the silence, it corrodes our soul and we deceive ourselves, and Jesus wants us to break out and wants us to break the silence and, and, and uh, relieve ourselves of the guilt by the precious blood of Christ. So breaking the silence. And, and I, I don't know where it is. I mean, if you sin in a great manner publicly, then you sin, in, I mean, you confess in a public way. If nobody knows about it, you know, maybe you go one-on-one with an accountability, a trusted partner. I don't know, but you just begin to go, I'm bringing this into the light of Jesus. I'm not going to be held captive by this anymore. I'm going to be delivered. I'm going to be transformed by the power of grace, and I'm walking in wholeness. So there you go, devil. You're bound in Jesus' name. And the church said. But some people, I just want to, you know, I want to live in secret. Man, that's where Satan does the most harm. Number two, honest acknowledgement. I want to acknowledge my sin before God, and it's never easy. I acknowledge my sin to you in verse 5, and, you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I became real. I became transparent. I laid it before the Lord. I didn't want to cover it up. Acknowledging and covering up never go together in the same sentence. They're not compatible. They're not congruent. I acknowledge I have sinned. I need forgiveness. I'm not going to cover it up. It's like when I walked up here to tell you about me, getting busted with a speeding ticket I, you, know, I could, you know i mean guys i gotta tell you it, it even bruised my ego 35 years without a speeding ticket i have deserved thousands but somehow i've escaped got me and i have found myself when i see those black and white cars forgive me ricky i'm having to pray hard the flesh man but then the lord said but you're helping to pay benefit packages for the Montgomery's finest, and you're helping their cars to be on the road. And I say that tongue-in-cheek, but the truth is that's a good thing, and they need my revenue. I just wish they would get somebody else's revenue next time. I guess it was my turn. You know what I'm saying, Ricky? Y'all don't go to Ricky and give him a hard time. He's retired from there. He, he would have never given his pastor one. He'd have probably taken him into jail. <laughs> okay, all right. third. Ricky, you know too much. What happened with me and you in high school stays under the blood of Jesus. Amen. All right, number three. I'm giving too much recognition to him. Okay, number three. Recognize the sinfulness of sin. Just recognize how grievous it is unto the Lord. You know, a lot of times, we're not so upset about our sin. We're just upset we got caught. Does, does anybody know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, I'm not really upset about my sin, but I got busted. I got caught. 
Or is my sin really grievous unto the Lord that Christ died for that sin and for your sin and for your sin? I, I, I believe he did. Uh, his actions, you know. Uh, when we sin many times, it harms others. Don and I are so pro-covenant, pro-marriage. We love the marriage covenant. It's one of our biggest things, a platform for marriage. We love marriage. We've seen God heal marriages. We've seen God restore. We've seen God redeem. But when partners sin one against the other, and uh, they sin greatly, and they have an affair, or they commit adultery. Let's go ahead and call it the Bible word. They commit adultery against one another. There's great sting and pain. And through the grace of Jesus, there, there's forgiveness, and there's opportunity. But, you, you know, you, you have to, you, you can die in that, and you can stay there and be in that cycle, or you can deal with it, you can confess it to the Lord, and confess it to your mate, and we pray there would be grace and mercy in your time of need. And we've seen that happen many times in this church that people have been able to confess and to repent. That means to turn, to not continue in that. And they've, they've broken free and they have healthy marriages. And I say, God, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Amen? So, you know, you, you deal with it. Um, but in verse 9, it says, don't be like a horse or a mule. Don't be dumb and under, you know, no understanding. They have to be controlled by a bit, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I just write that on the side. Holy Spirit, control me. Control my thoughts. Control my actions. God, help me not to be stubborn. Number four, take responsibility. Boy, th this is a hard one for me here. I don't want to go back uh, to, to that, but God says, take responsibility of your sin. Like, how many times do we go, I was only 10% wrong. I was only 10% wrong. You were 90% wrong. You know it's 90% you, 10% me. You're 10% me, 90% you. <laughs> what? Just own your 10%. That didn't go over very good, did it? Because a lot of times, we might be the 90%. And we might be the 10. But if we're a fellowship of sinners, it means we can confess and we can deal with it. Right, church? And we just have to go, hey, I've got to own my stuff here. Number five, the joy of grace. I, I love grace. How about you? So he says here, the freedom of grace, it can be ours. And he goes through this about... I'll be your hiding place. I'll protect you from trouble. I'll surround you with songs of victory if you confess your sin. And then in verse 11, he ends this psalm with great hope and joy. So he says, Rejoice in the Lord. And be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you hearts who are pure. He ends with a very positive note. He rejoices in the Lord. He's, he's been forgiven. He's been set free. And man, that's what I pray will happen today. Craig Rochelle that I talked about from the book, he said this, I think I put it on your notes at the bottom. Take the risk, drop the pose, choose honesty, get real with God as a way of life. This morning, I'm going to pray. We're going to end. We're going to have a couple songs that are going to write out of, well, we're going to have a testimony, have a couple songs, and then we're going to have a time of just open uh, worship and encounter. And I pray that you and I will decide today, I don't want to pretend anymore. I don't want to be a poser. I want to be genuine. I want to be authentic. I want to let Christ do something new in me because we, we failed. And Christ wants to help us to rise up above our failures. In James 5, 16, I want you to hear this. The Bible says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, the forgiveness comes in Jesus. But as we confess to one another, he says, then we're healed. We bring it into the light and there's healing for our soul. There's joy for our journey. And this morning, I'll explain to you the chairs in a little bit about choosing to be transparent and not just doing it one time, but trying to do that on a regular basis. With great regularity, we run to be and we choose to be people of confession. 
We, we own our sin. Here it is. We let the cat out of the bag and we go, I'm a sinner. This is where I've sinned in this area. I need forgiveness. Would you help me? Would you correct me? Would you put me on the right path? I think Jesus said, hey, that's a victorious life. I'll share one with you. I'll be real honest. I shared my speeding ticket. You know, I mean, that's bad. It's wrong. Sinful. But here's one I really struggle with. And most of you already know it if you're close to me. So I go ahead and go real. I stink at handling criticism. I don't like to be criticized. I'm an exhorter. I have an exhortation gift. I like to exhort people. When people criticize me, I defend. Let's fight. I just want to fight. Now I can fight or flight. I can run. I can hide. But I don't like criticism. So all you that don't like criticism, come. And let's all sit here together this morning and confess to one another. Just raise your hands. I'm curious. How many of you struggle with criticism and you hate it? See, we're in a good fellowship. There are a lot of sinners in the room, just like me. And I'm learning sometimes to handle criticism. And when it's constructive criticism, that's good. Sometimes you have to just consider the source. And sometimes people think they have this spiritual gift. It's a, it's a gift from the pit of hell to just criticize all the time. They just criticize everything. But sometimes it's good. And let me tell you who is really good at criticizing, or should be, people that are really close to us, that love us. And we should listen. And matter of fact, I, I, I found a verse on this. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 15. Why don't you turn to Proverbs 15, verse 31 and 32. This is for Pastor Keith and all you that raise your hand, all hundred of you. I don't know how many there were. There were a lot of hands that went up. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. I want to be wise. How about you? I want to grow in understanding, but I have a hard time when people criticize me. I want to retaliate, and that's no way for a Christ follower. God, have mercy on me. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. I'm grateful for that verse. I need it. When I confess, God can forgive me, others. So benefits of mutual confession. I read this thing by Cody Smith, and I want to do it quickly. He says, when we speak out, our sins become more real to us, that we've been an affront to God. When we, when we go public, when we speak out our sins, it, it's, it's like out in the light. Number two, hidden sin is a stronghold of Satan in our lives. He uses failures, and especially our repeated ones, to accuse us of our unworthiness as a disciple confession breaks the hold of the evil one isn't that good so this morning we're asking that some of you would break strongholds through the power of confession third the need to take off the mask and be known and accepted by others is just as we truly are uh, i read a book 20 something years ago by chuck swindoll called dropping your guard it was about taking off the mask and being real so this morning maybe some people will take off the mask I like the discovery that we're not alone. This morning, you're going to find that you're not alone in confession. You're just not alone. You're in a house of sinners, of the fellowship of sinners. Uh, here's one. The people around us already know about most of our weaknesses. The people around us already know about our weaknesses. See, when I told y'all a minute ago I, I, I hate to be criticized, and you were gracious, you didn't go, oh, I'm glad he admitted it. We all knew it. I, I just don't. I mean, at least I said it here on the stage. You, you can go listen to the website. Every, listen, to, listen to our pastor. He's a sinner. Ding, ding, ding. 
I need to work on that. It's an area that I need to grow in grace. Uh, does anybody else not have an area of grow, growth in grace? Does anybody else have an area to grow in grace? Does anybody else have an area to grow in grace? I just want to make sure you're not sitting there being, I'm not a sinner. Well, then you don't belong to this church. They got one down the street. They just don't think they sin. They're full of it, just like we are. So I don't want to be judgmental, okay? I'll probably be praying new prayers for the Baptist church. I got a ticket in front of it. It's a new monument for me every time I ride by. Bless them, Jesus. You know, we're having a lot of fun with this illustration. I'm going to milk it for everything that's worth. When I, when I pay that money, I'm going to go, thank you, Jesus. God works together for good. All things are not good, though. Okay, here we go. All right. Uh, here's another. The power of unified prayer brings us to a place of change and healing and need for grace and humility. Confession shines the light of the truth. Confession shines the light of the truth on our brokenness. It invites others to join us in the struggle called life. And here's what I've learned the more I walk with Jesus. It's a battle. It's a struggle. I've got a friend in here today that's hurting so bad. Got a lot of friends in here probably hurting. But there's one right now. They're hurting. They're struggling. And I'm praying God's just going to use this word to help them today, just like he's going to help me and he's going to help you. Confession. Oh, God, help us to break out of this.